0: Thank you for listening to Room 9, My Daddy's Podcast. Hope you enjoy. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9. If you better yourself, you better the world.
1: was a series of testing myself and challenging myself and it built up this level of confidence in the unknown where i I could just like look at a situation it's like all right here's here's what could happen here's what's most likely going to happen either way i'm going to be fine and if i'm you know if i'm not it's going to be something that's totally out of my control right so it's like i think that that was uh that that's that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is that like I was I was just willing to like put myself in situations that are you know crazy to most people to 99% <laughs> of the population. And through that, I know like even if even if you know things went south today and I lost my job and you know everything were you know just crazy, I know I'd figure it out.
0: And that, my friends, was Mr Ben Burns and i had an effin blast talking with this dude ben is the chief operating officer of the future and he's the digital creative director at blind and if you guys don't know what the future is put it on youtube future minus the e f-u-t-u-r and check out what they have going on. They are not only teaching people design and business and helping entrepreneurs, they are constantly helping people gain confidence in their skills and just being able to teach people to learn from their mistakes. It's just an awesome group of people. Ben is an awesome, awesome dude. We talked about police reform. We talked about just jumping into fear, and it was just awesome. And I hope to continue to have conversations with this dude in the future. But look out, look out for a solo episode coming out is going to uh, share all the changes that are happening and what's going on in my life probably in the next two to three weeks. Other than that, folks, as always, I think that's like my key signature phrase, as always, I love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your ears and your time. I know there's a million other people you could be listening to, so I'm grateful. All right, guys, peace. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what's going on, Ben? How goes it? Uh, ah, very well, sir. How are you? Good.
1: Here, let me start.
0: Oh, I got the Twitch Twitch camera, the Twitch view. Yeah. That's right. It's uh it's kind of a
1: gloomy day, so let me adjust my
0: I know, I gotta find I gotta find uh I haven't played around with it yet, but I just started using my other camera with a third party app so I can use it on Zoom and shit and have trouble with the audio always. I don't know what is going on, so I gotta figure that out.
1: Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, I have slaved over this setup for the past couple of months. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just, it's just a lot of work. Like even if you have all the right gear, it seems that there's like a, there's, do I have a delay right now? Like do I have a, um, no, it looks good now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for some reason it works perfectly in zoom. And then as soon as I go into OBS or Twitch or anything like that, you get a um, delay, You get a delay. It's really weird. It's really really weird. So,
0: yeah, I I that's what I was trying to do it with OBS too and I couldn't get the timing right with the Man. audio. And then I tried to uh then I ended up downloading like Ecam, which mm. just creates a simple virtual camera for you and then you can uh you know, play it out that way, but then I couldn't hear anybody I was doing Zoom calls with. They could hear me, I couldn't hear any yeah. sound in. I'm like, "What the hell?" So, I got to yeah. dedicate some time, set it aside to uh
1: figure that out. The um the interesting thing is that the I use a A10 Mini for my switcher, mm-hmm. and this thing is amazing. The thing, and but it restricts two programs from using the same feed at once. Oh my god! So when I have Zoom calls, <laughs> I literally have this little well, like webcam thing. Okay, and I put it, I put it literally right like you can see the reflection on that. Mm-hmm. I put it right under where the camera goes, so that you can barely see it, like right there. And, um, that's how I've been doing interviews on zoom is is just using two separate cameras and it's, it's gnarly. (laughs) Like Streamlabs OBS has this digital webcam where it outputs the feed as a webcam that zoom can pick up, but it doesn't come with sound. So then of course (laughs) it's like this crazy lag issue with the, with the, between the two.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's almost more annoying
1: than crappy sound. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so give me the gist about the podcast. Like uh what's um what are what are we talking about? Um, whatever, man. I just
0: I'm all about conversations my whole life. Well, since my mid twenties, I should say, not my whole life. I've had to like teach myself how to do small talk again because I got so tired of it. But <laughs> um I just realized, you know, I finally just gave up with the podcast. Like, yeah, I'm just recording my conversations. I started it. Um technically I was still in rehab when I started it. The first two episodes I was wow. out on, I was out on pass and my roommate and me uh, recorded the first two episodes. So it's always been around kind of personal development, mental health, addiction, Mm -hmm. but, you know, creativity has always been my, um, uh, what the heck was I going to say? Oh yeah. When I was 15, my brother and sister died. And I would say before that I was never a creative person. Oh man. And then after they died, that's when I fell in love with music. That's when, you know, eventually, why my I find my love for design and video production and storytelling and all that has kind of s- stemmed from all of that those mm-hmm. uh, trials. But yeah, it's just really re- record of my conversations, man. And I felt like I've been kind of in this 2021 hitting the uh, creative world up. You know, I talked with Fabian, talked with Gary Vaynerchuk, talked with Melinda, and you know a couple of local brand strategists, and still doing some mental health stuff as well. But I was like, I'm gonna see, you, uh, reach out to Ben and see if he wants to have a conversation. Well, heck yeah. So cool. But of I mean, because cool. I always feel like, you know, you can still get vibes and energy from people over online. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to have a conversation with Ben. So especially after, I don't know, I think you wrote a couple of blogs I seen on your website from like 2017, Hmm. which you're a pretty good writer, man. I don't know if you've had to work at writing because for me to be oh, a halfway thanks. decent writer, I had to like work my ass off at it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like enjoyed your blogs. I was like, man, I'm assuming you probably don't have the time to keep writing them, but.
1: I actually have like a big record of, uh, of past posts that I've made and, um, they just haven't seen the light of day. Like I kind of get stopped at the, at the graphics part. Um, but I've got like a whole bunch of stuff in notion that just has never, never come out. So really? yeah. Yeah. When I launched the new version of my site though, um, that's one of my priorities because I find that I express myself a lot easier with blog. I guess I should record this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I can send you, Thank a, you whatever you want though. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed, I just read them this morning with my coffee. I was kind of going through them and you know, I feel like I, i am shocked at like your, uh, your history. So you were, you, you were a cop, correct? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what city was that? So it was in Savannah, but, okay. um, the later years. So I was, I was only like in uniform for maybe a year in total. And that was even divided up because I, I shipped off to basic training for the, Army National Guard okay. for about 6 months. So, didn't spend a lot of time, you know, on the street in uniform um because when I got back from training, I hit the streets hard. Like I was um really gung-ho about uh some of the like drug trade and the um violence that stemmed from the drug trade. Like I've a uh, first year on the job, I had I had two people die in front of me. Um, they were victims of you know gun violence from the drug trade and so I was really passionate about like finding guns and drugs on the street uh, getting them off so when I hit it hard uh, I got noticed pretty quickly got picked up by a special operations unit so we were kind of like tasked to go be really really proactive in in specific areas and and do some crazy stuff like ride around in unmarked vans and you know all that kind of mm-hmm you know, stuff. Um, And then got eventually got promoted into a narcotics position. So I was a narcotics agent for the bulk of my career. And uh, that's a, that's a, that's a whole world of stories right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was, what drove you to like get into being into the police force? Was it something you kind of always felt like?
1: You know, it's weird. I've, I've told the story a couple of different ways. And in truth, it was just a whole combination of things. So it was like, Number one, I, ha- I was a graphic designer at that point. I was working for an agency. I had worked up from, you know, being a design intern to a senior designer. And I was just I w- I was going to the same office, sitting in the same desk, working for the same clients, resizing the same logos. And it was just kind of getting to the point where I was just like, I don't know, is this it? Is this the career here? Is this is this all there is? And uh I, I feel like I had stopped growing at that agency, but also there's a, there's a big part of me that was curious if I could do this. Like I've always tried to push myself. I've always tried to like, like I've always been a like self-improver kind of guy. I've always tried to test my limits and stuff like that. And so, you know, I was seeing TV shows and you know, the glamorous world of law enforcement was like, you know, super, super big. I still is like, you can't turn on the TV without oh seeing gosh. a cop show. Right? I can't
0: believe some of the shows that are still on. I'm like, what the hell?
1: And, and the funny thing is, is from like somebody who's been in the industry and, and seen all that kind of stuff, like half that stuff is totally just not true. Like,
0: <laughs> Shocker.
1: I, I looked at it, I was like, man, Jack Bauer gets to run around and make his own decisions. And, you know, like there, there was freedom and flexibility and all A this kind of stuff. A license to kill. And, Yeah. It's just, it doesn't work like that. It totally doesn't work like that. Like you have, uh, you know, meetings every day and you have people to report to and you got laws that you have to live by and you got rules that you have to live by and all this kind of stuff. So, so that was, but that was kind of one of those things where for my entire life I hadn't really fit into a box and, uh, I've always been creative, but not like I have, I've never considered myself an artist. So I've like Mm -hmm. had feet in both of these worlds and I'm a big dude. So, the football coach was always after me like everybody wanted me to play sports and i just never i never was interested in it and so when i saw this opportunity to to like be a tactical person it was it was more like can i do this (laughs) because you know previously i just kind of ignored it but uh I, i was wondering if it was if i was ignoring the physical side of who i was because like i would be unable to do this versus just not interested and it turned out you know kind of prove myself. So there's a really long answer to that, that one question It's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Also like 2008 hit, like, you know, the, I started looking around in 2007 and there just wasn't any jobs. So even if I wanted to grow, that was around as a the, designer, the
0: housing crash, right?
1: Yeah. It yeah, was a okay. huge economic collapse. So there was no jobs. So like, even if I wanted to just get a different job to kind of move myself along in my career, there was nothing out there. I had a couple of freelance clients, but those were really frustrating engagements at that early stage in my career. And uh, I just, you know, I find myself like kind of stuck and then wondering about this other thing. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of why I made the jump.
0: Yeah. So it was so intriguing when I, when I first heard that, I was like, man, that's uh, such an interesting, I didn't realize you were a designer. And then you kind of went into law enforcement. Then you came back to uh, the design world. Yeah, I just I love that whole whole idea because I'm I'm the person who is on the other side of the the realm as far as like with the cops and all that and not that obviously I know, you know all cops are assholes is such a blanket generic statement but because <laughs> I know some good ones but mainly my experience with them has always been very frustrating and yeah. to say to say the least and I know there's obviously a huge tension there so I was very intrigued because you tend to find more creatives are more liberal or more you know you I feel like that's a not a very common uh combination yeah you know I was uh kicking down doors and then (laughs) now I'm (laughs) uh now I'm a designer
1: yeah well and I I think that like for anybody that experiences police officers from the point of view of uh you know being pulled over or being arrested or even just like you know with with the cop on the street you know like directing traffic or you know, sitting and eating an ice cream cone in uniform or whatever cops can be assholes for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll totally say it and, you know, love my, my brothers and sisters in blue. Um, but sometimes, you know, they they got to lighten up, but I think that like, there's this, there's this psychology that's, that's ground into these people that wear a badge that it's, it's, it's this us versus them survival of the fittest, this, this mentality that, uh, that that starts to seep into your psyche, like mm-hmm. like I said, I've never fit into a box. And so when I wasn't a cop, I was like the designer that also liked to like go hiking, and I, you know I was an Eagle Scout and all this kind of stuff. And then when I was a cop, I was like the cop that was also creative. And so I never really fit in with either crowd, but I recognized this psychology, this mindset of just being hyper aware and hyper cautious of every single thing. And after a while, that that like buries itself into, mm-hmm. you know, your, your 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 mindset, everything becomes a threat. And so if, if you can imagine like walking up to a random person and just trying to figure out if they're going to kill you, like that is the mentality that many police officers carry with them, even on the off hours. And so like, it's not an excuse, but no wonder they're mm-hmm. douchebags, you know, like it's, it's just one of those things. And I have thoughts on police reform and stuff like that, that I'm still kind of formulating and and writing and stuff like that. But I do think that like, there should, there should be some understanding on, uh, on both sides and, and not to say that cops need pity, but, uh, I do think that like, we got to figure out like, what's wrong with police ecosystem that creates this environment and this psychology, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We could, uh, we could, as you gather those thoughts, if you ever want to talk them out? We could uh, always have a conversation around that because I totally agree. I think both sides need to give some some flexibility. You know, again, I think feel like we need more training, like social workers and mental health Absolutely. counselors, and like there's some calls cops shouldn't even be called to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and that, and then there you have that factor. Every time you pull somebody over, you got to worry about is this person could possibly. You have to at least have it in your mind, or else you're gonna it could happen one day. This person yeah. could possibly fight. And yep. then you're always on edge. So that's a yeah, that's a conversation we could continue having.
1: Yeah, I, I you know like there's a couple of pieces of parts, and and we'll, we'll get on with the the rest of the talk after this. But like there's there's a couple of pieces and parts that I am comfortable, and I do think that they need more training. I also think that like the income level of a police officer leads to low quality applicants. And so if you can imagine, you know, somebody graduating from high school, they've been a football pro- player their college prospects aren't there, their grades are not there. And one of their options is to join the military or become a police officer. And so there they are 18 years old yeah. with a gun and badge on the street. And then you, you go into this psychology that's shaped, you know, by the environment that policing is. And so you have this, this impressionable 18 year old person put in life or death situations with people who are living in their community. And we expect them to be mature and to make the right decisions at every single moment. And, and to me, that's crazy. That's, that's totally insane. And uh, so, yeah, I totally think that they need more training. I think that like, if I'm being honest, like policing in America should be less about like the proactive nature and more about investigatory. So like mm-hmm. you see all these shows on uh, on TV where you've got these DEA agents or FBI agents running around and arresting people. Turns out they don't do that. (laughs) They don't do that at all. And that's why they like to work with local guys, because we can rest based on probable cause. And they are required to investigate a crime, go get a warrant, and then they go to arrest people only with a warrant that's signed by, you know, and a judge. And so that's drafted by an attorney and signed by a judge. And so they, they don't have to make those snap decisions that local police officers do. And that's why you see, like, the majority of the problems in the, in, that we see in the headlines are from local cops. Please. Yep. Right? Because they're, you know, these kids that are not trained and they're on the street. They're asked to make those snap decisions for themselves. And what are they going to fall back on? You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's the animal brain, you know. So that's, uh, yeah, we don't have to go crazy <laughs> down that rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's a rabbit hole None, nonetheless, man. It is like even the whole judicial system in general, the whole crime and punishment, yeah, everything that just war on dry, it just it's yep. insane to me. but I know I, I mean, I love I love your um, in one of your blogs, you talked really about how you use fear. and I think I actually had it fear inspired preparation, preparation, inspired confidence. And mm. there's that, that like one thing that really stuck out to me because really, really quick, a little backstory for me in jail is when I really learned to like, all right, I'm going to learn to love myself. I'm going to learn to cut myself some slack. I'm going to learn to realize I do deserve forgiveness for my mistakes. And I'm just going to keep trying Mm -hmm. and learn from my failure over and over again, no matter how many times I fail, I'm just going to keep doing it. And so getting out is finally when I could apply these, these things that I was, these introspective insights for lack of a better term that I was gathering throughout my mid twenties. Now I can actually work on them because I'm not just building this pile of things that I suck at. I'm actually loving myself, and it's okay to move forward. But part of my process was really anything fearful, anything that gives me anxiety, I'm just rushing into. I'm just going to do it because that's the only way. If I stop and think about something, I'm done. I will just sit there Mm. in complacency and not make any decisions. So I really loved how you talked about preparation, and I feel like that's a better term for it. Mm. because going, you have fear, it's something else, you find it. And then as you're moving forward, everything you're doing is helping you prepare. And I like that a lot. I think that was really cool. But I just, I wonder how you came to that mindset or what happened in your life. If you can even, you know, remember, recall that made you just like, you know, what I'm just going to run into fear.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. Like, I, I feel like from the moment I left the design world for the first time and then joined the police department. That's when I started confronting a lot of fears, because honestly, the whole thing was a challenge for me. Like, I had never been physical, never. Ne- like, I was never the guy that was out jogging in the morning. I was never the guy that was like training for a sport. You know, I sang in high school and in the chorus, and and I took photos. Like that was my jam when I was a kid. And through college, was the same thing. You know, I was I was more into creativity than than. I, physical. And so I was really scared about training, you know, cause I, I, you know, I'd never like, I'd finished a mile, but it was like, <laughs> the time was probably terrible. And so, you know, when I went into training, the physical aspect really scared me. And so I think it started there and I became through, through this whole process, you know, even into, into basic training with the army national guard, it was a series of testing myself and challenging myself. And it built up this level of confidence in the unknown where I I could just like look at a situation. It's like, all right, here's, here's what could happen. Here's what's most likely going to happen. Either way, I'm going to be fine. And if I'm, you know, if I'm not, it's going to be something that's totally out of my control. Right. So it's like, I think that that was, uh, that that's, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is that like, I was, I was just willing to like put myself in situations that are you know crazy to most people, to 99% (laughs) of the population and through that i know like e- even if even if you know things went south today and i lost my job and you know everything were you know just crazy i know i'd figure it out mm-hmm. I, I even i even am, i'm like considering my next tattoo being like figure it out <laughs> <laughs> like getting that tattooed somewhere on my arm because it's just something that I like i never want to lose so i think that like that was the biggest thing that i gained from the tactical era was like this confidence knowing that like even if I put myself in crazy situations, I'd always be kind of okay yeah. and I always figure it out. and that's the that's 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 where that mindset kind of comes from. and the other thing is like I had nothing to lose, honestly. I had no reputation like i have I have more to lose now than I did then, but like, you know, just like, hey, sure, I'll do a logo for you. Bevelin boss gradients. No problem. You know, like <laughs> it was, it was just one of those things, man. It was just, you know, it, this is, uh, I think that the, 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 ego gets in the way of a lot of creatives oh. where they have something to protect, you know? And I, I think that like, that was just a key difference was uh, like, I knew I could figure things out, but I also knew that like, I really had nothing to lose. <laughs> well,
0: that's exactly the state of mind. I was in getting out of rehab three years ago or three and a half, however long ago it was Yeah, three and a half years ago or whatever it was you know what, I might as well try to start the podcast, start a, a company. I didn't even know what I was going to do exactly. I knew it was evolved around working and helping people share their story or whatever, but yeah. I was like, what am I, I'm already pretty much well homeless. So, you know, what else am I going to lose? Right. And just yeah. kind of went with it feel like that's an awesome thing you're doing, You you know everybody at The Future and that with creatives. Creatives are the people who change the world and then conservatives like to come in, not even in a political sense. Conservatives like to come in, order everything up and push us out of the way. But mm-hmm. nothing gets done without creative people, nothing. And yeah. we need... Can you imagine if we all had the confidence just to run into it, just to go in, all right, I'm going to keep doing this and not worrying about... I mean, I've been doing this for three years, which isn't a long time, but yeah. I still still have that ego check every time I go to hit return or enter and with a social media post, with my design Mm -hmm. work, with whatever it is, what is somebody going to think? And to just push the effing button is what I tell myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I still struggle with that too. You know, like the hesitancy to share has been pervasive in the last, you know, five, six years. And I, I, when I joined blind, when I joined the team at blind, I was in this like constant, I still carry the learning mindset, but like with this, I was just like, train me. You know, like <laughs> I am I am here to learn. And so, you know, every time you get access to and every time you kind of open the door to a whole nother level of skill. Um, for me at least, it always kind of feels like, oh man. The, the imposter syndrome rares into Always. life it's like it's like oh my gosh this guy's so good he's so creative where does he, where do these ideas come from there's no way I can compete that kind of thing and I constantly have to remind myself it's not a competition it's mm. not you know I'm not being uh, measured by any stretch and uh, the, the biggest thing is to just share and I, I started streaming on Twitch and, uh, and YouTube about three weeks ago and the whole thing is for me to share my entire process with recreating whatever i'm doing whether i'm working in webflow or you know designing my personal site or you know anything like that yeah. the whole purpose is just to show people that like not everything is a time lapse not everybody wakes up in the morning with this divine inspiration and then they're gifted with the great design and all this kind of stuff it's literally like for me at least it's like just <laughs> juggernauting through <laughs> obstacles <laughs> like trying <laughs> try not to get knocked down by the brick wall that you're trying to smash through and so, you know, I'm trying to, 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 encourage more people to share that part of the creative mm-hmm. process, because I think that holds a lot of people back. You know, they hit yeah. that first wall and they're like, man, what do I do? And then they bail. And I think that like the world would be a way better place if uh, more people just kind of push through. Absolutely, friggin
0: man. I mean, that was, I've had so many creative ideas up until three years ago that I've started and stopped, started yep. and stopped, started yep. and stopped up. Oh, it got Same. hard. It got difficult. Forget it.
1: yep yep
0: i've I've actually scoped out some of your uh your twitch stuff in the background (laughs) while i'm working so that's why like your keyboard that's why i said when you when you got on i had the keyboard view i was like oh the twitch view (laughs) (laughs) what really made me fall in love with design too also is kind of that that balance of creativity and precision and science Mm. i think that is something that i totally and you get to those problems and sometimes it doesn't have to be necessarily a creative problem solving technique. You could just, oh, just move this over here. Perfect. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I love that yep. about design.
1: I want to hear more about your story because you've you've hinted to it. there's jail in the mix. There's recovery. <laughs> I've I've i I there's I've, a I've lot tr- looking yeah. for an opening to like congratulate you on sobriety and that, like tell tell me a little bit about that. I know your listener probably have heard it a million times, but like I'd love to be clued in.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I I guess, well, I kind of told you my brother and sister died when I was 15, but that was something I mm. felt like even before my addiction that I really came to terms with. It took me about 10, 11, 12 years or so to really like, I remember the day that I finally like sat with it. I think I like was just weeping, not maybe nonstop, but really weeping for a few days. Mm. And I think it was just that like gut wrenching and just a release. It was just like a burden off my shoulders. So I felt like I really kinda of came to terms with that. But then I got married and then I had two kids with a woman. And that kind of that's when I would say I had my like for lack of a better term again, spiritual awakening. Mm. Kind of I kind of always used a Brene Brown term of nervous breakdown. And I kind of woke up in the middle of this relationship but like, this can't be it. Like this isn't what love is. This isn't what right. everything is. So I ended up thinking I could handle a divorce. <laughs> but that weight of failure, um, really, you know, failing my parents, my sister. Obviously, my now ex-wife, but wife at the time, my children, you know, failing them. And I think it just, I hurt my back. I prescribed pain pills and I didn't feel like a failure anymore. Oh, man. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this is great. I don't feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. It's And really, and it didn't take long after that. I really ended up in jail pretty quickly. I was basically homeless. Girlfriend kicked me out. My parents were pretty much well done with me. My girlfriend's the one who actually ended up calling the cops when I was gone for a few days. I disappeared, Mm. and it was a pretty hot mess. But, yeah, when I was in jail, it was just kind of a wake-up call for me to, like, either I'm going to keep going down this route and, like, hating myself, or I can, like I said, you know, I can give, all right, why don't I just at least pretend to love myself, (laughs) pretend like I deserve it, Mm. at least start with that. And then, you know, you kind of start realizing from there different things. But I, uh, yeah, and started the podcast in rehab technically, and then I came out. And then kind of really, I got a grant from New York State Education Department, started, uh, started kind of getting into video production. And that's when I really kind of fell in love with design was about uh, around that time.
1: Wow. That's amazing. And so how long have you been sober?
0: Um, what is it? Three three years now? Almost, Congrats, almost three years. man. Yeah. That's
1: great. Wow. Yeah, thank you. That's incredible. I have to say some of the most heartbreaking cases that I've had in the narcotics world have been opiates and, oh, and most man. of them soldiers. Yeah, I hate to say it. Soldiers, and Marines, who get injured overseas, they come back, and the addiction just haunts them. And uh, you know that—that that was for me being an you know in the National Guard at that point. It was just it was just heartbreaking. You know, we did everything that we could to to put those people into situations where they could make their situations better. You know, mm-hmm. versus just shipping them off to jail. But um, super proud of you, dude. Great nice job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah it was. It's been. Been quite the journey to say the least. You know, I think, you know, one of the biggest things I really kind of tell people usually when, because I remember when my siblings died, people used to say the most dumb shit to you. Like, dumb things. I don't even like looking back, like, what grown ass person would say that to a teenager after their brother and sister died? But, you know, I usually just tell people, and it's kind of been a model of my life, like, no matter what you're going through, just don't forget to cry, because that's important, especially Mm -hmm. being men. You know, I talk to dudes jokingly all the time and be like, Dude, when's the last time you cried, man? Most people, men, a lot of dudes I know can't even remember. Yeah. Wow. And I really have found, you know, crying is a tool. And I feel like just as deep laughter is, I think deep weeping is. Yeah. And, you know, amongst while you're crying, like just pick your head up and try to learn something. And that is, you know, I think one of the biggest things because life is just spent between this universe of order that we know, Mm. the knowing, and then the chaos, right? The unknown. And mm-hmm. you have to find a balance in between the two or else your life is off tilt. And yeah. it, in order to get into that unknown, like, you know, that's why I really love that quote, fear inspired preparation, preparation inspired confidence. And the more you do that, you know, the mm-hmm. f- deeper into the unknown you can get and the bigger the mm-hmm. rewards. But it's, you know, it's a challenge. It's not easy. And I think bringing that to the creative world, as we kind of talked about earlier, is such a a key thing.
1: Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm so stoked for you. Good job, dude.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been
0: quite the ride. It's cool, man. I mean, that's why I mean, your journey kind of inspired me too. just reading about what you've been through and how you've got to where you it takes a lot of hard work. And I think that's uh that's something that is is prevalent very much in your attitude and your spirit. Yeah, I'm just digging into Webflow a little bit.
1: Oh really? Yeah, you because oh, well, I've had people I've, deep well. It's uh, you're, you're about to fall down and and become madly in love with pieces of software. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, because I did my website on Wix, and that is oh, uh, that's terrible. It's it is terrible. But people have <laughs> I've gotten like compliments from people who actually are like their word means something to me. As far as like you know, somebody who doesn't play guitar is like, hey, that's a you're great at guitar it's like well you don't really know how to play yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. but you know people have mentioned you know about my website and how it, it looks pretty good so I was like thinking about di- diving a little deeper into it and Webflow is the one that keeps popping up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I hear that that's my tool to of go. choice right now. It's um it's one of those things where it like empowers the designer to actually take action. Versus be reliant on developers. Now, Mm -hmm. I know that there's probably some developers in your audience. So I just want to like say to those guys, like there's always a place for you. There's limitations (laughs) to every tool. You guys are still valuable. I still respect you. You you know, there's so much love that I have for the development community. But (laughs) making a piece of text bold or like turning something into two columns versus one column, like that's not the problem that developers need to be focused on. Like the problems that they need to be focused on are much bigger and better and more noble. Um, (laughs) And I think that like with Webflow, it empowers designers to make fairly, you know, really quite interesting websites um, with an interface that's, you know, familiar to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that power to make something real, I don't think has ever been gifted Two designers before. We've always had to work through somebody else to, to, to see our things in the real world, you know, like printing press or uh, a sign painter or, you know, like a, a web developer and having access to actually like do something and then see a direct result without having to, to learn an entirely new skill. I think we're entering into a whole new world of design where it's not just design, like there's there's making in the mix. And uh, I think hmm. Webflow is like leading the, the charge, the on, charge on that. I'm stoked, man.
0: All right, so I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't dive into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're right. if you're interested in that web kind of design world, Webflow is the, the way to go. And the thing about it is, is that like, while you're in Webflow, you're using a tool that looks familiar, but you're actually learning principles of web development that are going to carry you through to, you know, being able to have an intelligent conversation with a web web developer. Gotcha. So like, you know, being able to work in the box model, you know, being able to to recognize that everything on the web has to fit in a box, whether that's a square or rectangle, it has to fit in there. And so you have to, you know, figure out how to get the look that you want from this, this model. Whereas before it was like, you know a lot of designers had a lack of understanding of, of why their designs couldn't work, even as simple as like the difference between margin and padding, you know, like okay, knowing yeah. that is gonna help you diagnose what's going on with the site or or figure out like how other sites work. And Webflow, like the interface naturally lets you, you know, learn those 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 principles, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. So it's also teaching you while you're learning how to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so I guess that confirms it. I'll have to dive into it then. Absolutely. Sure. I think I've you know the more I learn, like doing my website originally, which would have been a few years ago, knowing nothing about design, and I think I've changed it seven or eight times as I've learned along the way <laughs> over the last few yeah. years. And finally, last time I was like, you know, what? I don't think I can do anything else with this right now. I'm just leaving it. So, but I then I'll, now Webflow comes up. So I'm like, all right, I gotta have, have to dive into this as well. Yep. That's right, Ben. What's your uh, time frame? Do you have to get going?
1: I think I, I, I planned for an hour, right? Hold on, gonna rely on my calendar. Yeah, I've got about 20 minutes left. Oh, perfect. All right, yeah, we we'll gotta it, prep we'll for my next thing. So,
0: yeah. Good have you guys been working a lot? Have you been pretty much well at home the last year, working there?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So we started going remote about two years ago. Um, we were spending two or three days a week working from home, and then the other oh, two. Oh, okay. Three days so you guys already kind of were doing the office. that. Yeah, and uh, the biggest like the biggest hurdle. When COVID hit, all of the video production guys, so like at the future, we've got a team of, let's say we've got 20 people at that point. We've reduced in size since, but like at that point we had 20 people, maybe half of them or a little bit less than half were all working on the video content team. So these are cinematographers and editors okay. and you know uh, directors and all this kind of stuff, producers. And they were all working in the building because we were shooting all the content in the building, right? And so you know they were using our local server and you know, that's all it was, it was in the building activities. And then when COVID hit, everybody had to work from home. And so the biggest hurdle that we had, you know, everybody else, like the marketing team, the talent, everybody else was really comfortable working from home. No problem. The video guys, they had this thing where they were tied to the uh, physical building. And so we had to adapt for that. And so Mm. we kind of looped in Dropbox in creative ways. And uh, now we've got a whole system set up where we're recording from the house, we ship the footage over to them, it gets edited, it gets uploaded, and it's a beautiful system. But when COVID, uh, when when the whole pandemic kind of started, that was the biggest hurdle was to figure out like, okay, we know how to do remote stuff. Now, how do we get the the video team on that train? And that took maybe a month to figure out. But uh, yeah, so since then, we've been 100% remote. And honestly, we're not going back. So we may always have like a physical office space, but I don't think that we'll ever truly be in like a local company like an in-person company
0: which i think you're gonna see that a lot right after after this past year
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean it's almost necessary yeah i mean all my video pro- my video production has been a pain in the ass for me the last year most of my people put everything on hold especially <laughs> behavioral health companies though because they were so frantic they're so far behind i don't know how it is out west with behavioral health companies but they are just so mm. far behind, man. They don't use social media. They don't create any content. They don't do nothing yeah. outside of, you know, as far as what their brand goes. So it's been kind of pulling my hair out. So as soon as anything like that, it stopped all my progress of pushing them. Because they'll be like, oh, we'll do one podcast a month. Like, it doesn't work. You can't just dip your toe in. <laughs> like, nothing's going to change if you just do one podcast. Like, we got to do something else let's find out what that is. And it, you know, you want to, I want to scream because you could be helping people for nothing with your social Mm -hmm. media websites. It just drives me nuts. But yeah, it's definitely been a a rude awakening for some things.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting, this difference between the West coast and the East coast. When, when I started working at blind, I was living in Richmond, Virginia. And so I I shipped myself and my family over to LA and uh, it's quite a ship (laughs) lived. Yeah. It was, it was a huge shift. And I absolutely love LA. I think that like that town, you know, it's just, there's something magical about it. It's, it's filthy. It's like, you know, (laughs) it's wonderful. It's creative. It's gorgeous. Like, it's just this wonderful mix of, uh, of stuff. But since we went remote, I actually moved back to the, to the East coast. So right now I'm living in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, awesome. Okay. The difference between the two coasts and, you know, just like business in general is, is pretty staggering. I can I can definitely see the difference uh, that you're talking about. It seems like a lot of people over here, and maybe it's just South Carolina, but uh, a lot of people on the East Coast, aside from like the major metropolitan areas, are a few years behind mm-hmm. when it comes to like social media and content, and you know the internet in general. In general, the interwebs. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was crazy. Even like podcasts, nobody in Western New York. I'm in Buffalo. Nobody in Western New York. Mm. had a podcast behavior health company really had a podcast wow I mean there's three or four now after I started mine but it was just like shocking to me like how do you I mean that's something super simple even if it's not good quality even if you don't even want to edit it just you know get Mm -hmm. something start put it out there so yeah it's definitely it's bizarre but then when I when you go out west or whatever people always say the easterners are harder workers which is always interesting
1: interesting at least at least in the know.
0: restaurant business and stuff. That's what I've that's the word of mouth I've gotten.
1: It's possible. It's not something that I've noticed. I've I've seen like a lot of uh a lot of hardworking people on both sides of the country. I think that like the biggest difference really is uh the attitude towards community. Hmm. So like it, it, and maybe this is just me being in Los Angeles, but I've noticed that like people are way more apt to contribute to a community versus out west to people out uh in on the east coast yeah you know Um, it seems that and maybe this is like i said my 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 uh, i do not speak for the entire coasts just the places that i've lived
0: yeah these are generalizations we're making
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is probably not healthy but like i've noticed that like the the individualistic attitude is, is far more prevalent in the places that i've lived on the east coast
0: yeah yeah i could get that which i think shows in policies as well Mm -hmm. You know, you see, because New York's very liberal, so we do have a little more, I think, uh, of a a communicative uh, sense anyway. But you know, you see that all out west, they're always making, they're always ahead as far as you know laws go that are more to help the people who need help anyway. I
1: I think it. I think it's a little deeper than that. Like it's 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 laws, yes, um, but it's also things like you know, with the art scene in in Los Angeles, you'll drive around and people will decorate Mm -hmm. light poles,
0: you know, and it's, it's,
1: it's, it's only for the, it's not graffiti. It's, it's literally to, to beautify a block, you know, and and to make it prettier for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And these are like, these are not street artists. It's just like somebody will go and paint flowers on an electrical box. And it's just like, it's just like, Hey, let's make this more beautiful for each other. And I think that like, the attitude in 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 rural areas or places of the country that like are not as as large metropolitan areas like los angeles or new york city or something like that this individualistic attitude kind of almost prevents collaboration between mm. creative people and that collaboration is something that is it exists and it thrives in a place like los angeles and that's the biggest thing that i'm noticing around these areas where people are like how do you get these opportunities and it's well you don't. It's, it's a we. It's like somebody always kind of brings it to your attention and then people collaborate on it and stuff like that. So it's it's really interesting to see the, the kind of dichotomy between the two places that I've that I've lived that and you loved. Lived in, at. You know,
0: Yeah, I lived in Southwest Florida for a, a few years in Fort Myers mm-hmm. after I graduated, graduated high school. <laughs> and, you know, it was even the culture down there is so different which I always enjoy, the, the different scenes and the different cultures and everything. Mm-hmm. But even out west, I find, you know because I've been out to LA once, I think just once, yeah. And for some reason, it was the only time it rained the whole week I was there, it rained. <laughs> only time it ever rained, and like people yeah. were saying, it was the first time it's rained here in six years. Like, gee, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yep. But what the hell was I going with there? Oh, just the difference in culture. I think it, it's cool to experience that. And I'm sure you got a big shockwave of it going back and forth. From the east, far east yeah. to far west, pretty much you yeah. were doing coast to coast yep.
1: and back. Yeah. yeah,
0: and back again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. Do you watch Letter Kenny?
0: No. What is that? I don't even know what that so it's is. It's a
1: show on Hulu, and it's about this uh, really small town in Canada. Okay. And there's this whole. It's a brilliant show. The writing is incredible on this thing. I'll
0: have to check out. What's um, it called?
1: It's called Letter Kenny. It's hysterical. Okay. It's not something. It's like a. It's a kind of a funny that you you want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, Fargo, I guess, is a is equivalent. Okay. Show. Um, but like they have this whole monologue or this whole series of monologues on this one episode that's that's talking about the way people say L A. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time I say. LA I think of that episode and how people are making fun of people that say LA, LA. So I've, I've I've started to uh, avoid saying LA and in, in, in favor of California and Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> went out to LA oh man. Is great. I'll have to,
0: LA. yeah I'll have to uh, check that out
1: <laughs> my brother makes fun of me all the time it's like man the food in LA is so much better it's like
0: shut up man <laughs> Is your family in Greenville?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's why we moved back, okay, yep. Have the kids be closer to the to the fam,
0: yeah, And how many kids you got?
1: two, two, both girls, yep, two and five
0: two and five, nice, very nice, yeah, my son just turned fourteen, which is oh my hysterical. Gosh. yeah he he is funny, man, but they're in they're in Florida, and I'm in New York, so you know, I usually Skype with them a few times a week, and the one time his voice was just dropped oh my gosh and I was like dude are you sick or did you hit puberty he's like hit puberty <laughs> <laughs> he did not look like you have a 14 so year funny. old
1: congrats on that oh my gosh Oh,
0: I had him when I was what how old was I 21 when he when he was born oh nice so nice. yeah but yeah, good times man yeah I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me I figured it'd be a a chilled laid-back conversation and yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for your time dude I would love to uh stay in touch and keep in touch. Absolutely. How do people, uh, yeah, I don't know what you want to throw out there, whether it's your Twitch, whoever, whatever you want to promote, how do people get in touch with you and get on oh, everywhere?
1: Yeah. You can, you can hang out with me on any social platform. It's just Mr. Ben Burns. But, uh, if you haven't seen the future, I would definitely look us up. Our YouTube channel is, uh, we, we try to empower people to create lives that they love, you know, through Doing the things that they love and making money. So if you're a creative person who wants to start a business or venture down an entrepreneurial path, uh, the content will speak to you. So check us out.
0: Yes, it will. And I love before we got two more minutes, so I can say this. Um, I love you know the whole vibe of what you guys got going on over there because I found like my love for philosophy and psychology. You know I just kind of learned things backwards. I learned that first how to be a team player, how to be a leader, how to work on myself. And now I'm learning the business aspect of things. But I love that those two things are converging now in the business world. And it's the I give you value, you give me value, we help each other out. We're honest and real. And it's refreshing to uh, be in a business world where that is happening. And you guys are a big part of that for sure at the future.
1: Thanks. Appreciate that.
0: All right, Mr. Burns, I will uh, stay in touch. I will uh, let you know when this is coming out. I will link all your stuff below and I'm sure I'll be on Twitch hopefully the next time you're around. I try to catch you when I'm sitting here doing work. So,
1: Right on. Alright cool. brother, I appreciate your all time right. man. Thanks a bunch. Alright, peace. Bye.